Welcome to another Footwear Fables where I'll be speaking with Stephanie Howard, an amazing creative that has over 25 years experience in the sports footwear industry. Her experience including design director role at Nike, lead designer at New Balance and innovation director at 7th Generation. Founder Stephanie formed How & Why in 2010 to guide product design, innovation strategy and creative direction for leading mission driven brands. Prior to this, she laid the foundation for an advanced and innovation strategy at 7th Generation, voted in the top 10 of Fast Companies magazine's most innovative consumer product companies and a leader in sustainability. At Nike, she led the Women's Running Footwear Initiative and then as design director of both Bauer and Nike hockey brands, built a creative vision unique to each brand. In the sneaker world, she's most well known for designing the New Balance 850 shoe, a radical shift in design approach for the brand which was released in 2019. Sports brands she's worked with include Nike, Reebok, New Balance, Converse, The North Face, Vans, Timberland, Bauer, Titleist, Tracksmith, Smartwall, Extra Tough, as well as sports tech startups. Stephanie recently joined the board of directors of Women in Sports Tech, an organisation with the mission to drive growth opportunities for women throughout the sports tech landscape. So thanks for joining us today, Stephanie. You've got absolutely amazing experience and we really value hearing about your insights through your career today and your on your new consultancy that you've started up, How and Why. So prior to working, um, starting up your own company, you work with heavyweights such as um, New Balance, Reebok, Bauer, Nike and 7th Generation. Could you give us a bit, bit of background about your personal brand and, and any insights for your backstory before we sort of get into the questions? Sure. Yes. And thank you for having me. It's, no it's, problem. Uh, exciting to talk during these uh, crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. I, I, um, I had a quite a few years in uh, working for brands in the industry, in the footwear industry, right? With New Balance, Reebok and Nike. Yeah. Then I took a, I think a zag, as you would say, outside of the industry, uh, worked for a consumer packaged goods company called Seventh Generation, mm-hmm. which uh, was all about corporate responsibility and sustainability and um, after all those years and all that experience uh, and I was really significantly influenced by my experience um, both at Nike and at seventh generation and both places you know had a lot of uh, they they did a lot of deep thinking about the future um, and about the importance of insight Um, and that combined with all of my sustainability learnings at seventh generation led me to think that there is a potential for me to do a different kind of work where and that's when I started how and why my consulting studio thinking that I could bring an outside voice uh, into brands you know with, from all the things that I've learned from my experience. So what I do at How and Why is uh, it's a design and innovation consulting studio. We work with companies to provide product design, innovation strategy, creative direction, marketing, which includes insights research and visual communication. And that's uh, everything from physical product design all the way to, um, you know, digital, uh, you know, working with marketing and digital assets and things like that. So it's uh, the important work that I, I hope that I'm bringing to these companies is to sort of distill what they are uniquely qualified to provide, why that matters, and to work with their teams to create a roadmap of how to achieve that. Um, And depending on their needs, that can take many, many different forms. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine a more um, unusual year steer companies through sort of thinking creatively through um, such societal, structural and economic change than this one. 
I mean, how how important do you think it, it is to give the platform within sports and footwear industry to women, people of colour, gender and other ignored voices with something to say? Yeah, I, I think it's not just important, but it's completely fundamental to any organisation or industry. All voices need to be part of the conversation and all voices need to be part of decision making. Uh, and, you know, there's there's some awareness of that now. But uh, I think that, you know, there's there's a foundation that needs to be built and um, the smartest brands will you know really go at it from many different angles, you know, not just including, you know, people high up on their board or, you know, in executive positions, but also um, making sure that they're bringing, you know, young people into the organization with new thinking and a variety of backgrounds. Uh, you know, I have a, a, a passion that I'm kind of working with uh, a group called Women in Sports Tech. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we know that 50% of voices are women out there and 85% of all purchases are, you know, done by women. And uh, yet product design, you know, whether it's footwear or anything in the industry, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, heavily um, sort of the ratio is heavy towards men on all these teams. And there's an inherent bias of those designs. It's not intentional. It's not on purpose, yeah. but it is real. Um, so, you know, with this organization, Women in Sports Tech, it's, it's a place where I felt like I could take what I do and make a difference, right? Like all of, all of these conversations around social justice are happening, and sometimes people can feel paralyzed. Like, well, what can I really do? I can make a donation, but is there something else where I feel like I might actually be able to make a big difference? And this is the the place where I've been putting um, some time yeah. in. Um, I just joined I just joined their board of directors um, and um, we are you know starting an initiative called Women uh, sorry Women in Sports Tech which is with Next Generation. And wow, essentially amazing. we're trying to give diversity and inclusion a roadmap, meaning that we feel it's important to start uh, at even younger ages. So if we're talking about um, girls and you know girls of color and um, underrepresented communities where maybe they're not even hearing about this industry. It's, you know, it's experiencing explosive growth and you, you, you need to think about these types of careers before you go to college, yet people aren't even introduced to these types of careers, uh, and especially girls. So we're, we're bringing um, an awareness, and uh, this initiative I'm really excited about. I'll you know, be posting more about it soon when we get it up and running. But it, its um, purpose is to give, uh, to really outreach to youth so that they're getting the education, they're thinking about careers, they're excited about careers. Maybe they're passionate about sports um, or they're really into, you know, STEM um, subject, and they don't quite know what to do with it. And um, in certain communities, you know, it's not really pushed for girls to go into those types of um, classes or majors. You know, we're trying to get them, as, you know, get this information to them as young as middle school, even when, you know, a lot of a lot of kids sort of decide where their life is going, or maybe it's up out of school as early as ninth grade. And there's some data to, to sort of back up. Oh, that's amazing. School girls and all, all ethnic backgrounds. Yeah, we're, I'm really excited about it i was going to ask actually because you were talking about sort of middle school and stuff so does that kind of mean that you're involved in youth organizations as well or yes um that I means that's what we're really excited about is we've connected with, uh, with two organizations that are are de sort of deeply connected to um these either high schools or middle school programs um and one that i'm excited to work with you know specifically focuses on underserved communities yeah and so you know i've 
learned from them. They've given me the data that talks about that sort of middle school age. You know, otherwise I was thinking, you know, let's go down to high school. Um, but we're, we realize now um, that, you know, especially kids in underserved communities, they're just not hearing about these careers. They're not getting excited and passionate about things that they can do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and think, thinking about sort of, you know, not paying as much attention to this, the subject matters, you know, the subjects that they take in school, um, which really, you know, is important. And even, you know, by the time you get to high school, you, you really have to start to think about a career so that um, you know what classes you want to start to take. And, and it, all of those things help, but you need guidance and you need a roadmap. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times kids, kids don't have that. So we're trying to give them, you know, in, inspiration and then also guidance along the way of how to, you know, reach some of these career goals if they if they get excited about them, which we hope we can do. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, there is a massive void there, and I, I think maybe that's sort of a, a global, from a global perspective as well, because, I mean, youth in general obviously have a very big connection to everything sort of cultural from sort of music to art and in segue to actually sort of working in those industries. It, it is kind of bizarre. There isn't more of a, a, a connection in a way from grassroots right. level. So in sort of segue to what we were talking about, I mean, personally, it feels like some of the corporate responses feel a little a little like the rhetoric of the past. And when there's no one to sort of check back on what companies or brands have sort of said when they put out these sort of pro-equality uh, uh, and anti-racist sort of uh, messages, it almost feels like we could land the same way going forward. What does actually feel different at the moment is that the extra energy placed throughout, throughout sort of creative industries it feels like there's a new energy to sort of tackle some of these issues, doesn't it? Or would you, what would you think? Yeah, definitely a lot of energy, um, which I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, the conversation is even being had and, and it's far too late to have these conversations. But, you know, it's, it's like everything in life, we need to keep adapting and we need to, to make big changes. Uh, and so, this, you know, the industry that I'm, you know, working in, I think there's a lot of big changes that need to happen and uh, a lot of progress that's at least in its, its in its foundation stages. So uh, a lot of the discussions need to keep happening, for sure. There's definitely a big um, emphasis on that. And one of the big, sort of, I think, challenges of, of design and creative leadership currently, I think, you know, there's, 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 there's an array of viruses, not only COVID, but I guess sort of the thing of, of, of racism and, and systematic racism and in inequality um how how do we get design companies and brands future facing and you know what are the risks of people getting left behind do you think in terms if they don't you know adhere to some of the the social the social aspects of of things that we've just talked about uh so are you asking if like what are what are the risks of companies that don't embrace you know big change yeah and, yeah uh, yeah uh, i i think that that you know i think it's it's a must uh, it's it's not even an option right now i think that the you know again you know i talked about a little bit about sort of you know being influenced um when i was at nike and seventh generation and you know really learning about this deep insight gathering yeah um and that's all about sort of understanding it's about understanding human needs and you know and pain points you know that we have and, and solutions 
solutions that are good to fix those, but it's also about understanding what's on the emerging future. And that's social and cultural changes, it's economics, it's, it's you know, everything um, sort of that really affects business, but you have to be able to sort of see on the horizon what's coming. And if you put those human needs and pain points together with what's on the, you know, on the horizon in terms of what's coming towards your brand in the future, um, there, there's really no way to not do something um, that that is, you know, providing some kind of solution to the social justice problems that we're having. And I would say also to sustainability, and I would package those even together because all of the challenges that lay ahead in the future include those two things. No, absolutely. You can't kind of um, separate those really, can you? Um, so sort of being segue to the next question, as technology gives, gives the rise to new visualizations, material innovations, and a chance to think radically, rethink the way that we approach design, research, prototyping, and final presentations. What, for example, what inspired you in developing a new design language for the Icon New Balance 850 shoes? And what are your views of future design? Well, those are two great questions. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, thinking back, so back, back in the, the New Balance um, 850 uh, design that, you know, so that was in the mid 90s. And we saw a shift in the marketplace happening where um, there were the, the people that were wearing running shoes that used to just wear them only for performance purposes were now wearing them as a casual lifestyle product. And, um, you know, we saw that happening in, you know, with our competition. Yeah. Uh, and I, I felt a, a need to sort of push the design language in a new direction because we had, um, you know, we always had the big end logo in the center of the product. And, you know, we had a certain, uh, you know, sort of group of core consumers, but in order to reach out to, to new, uh, a new group of consumers, I felt like, let's push the design language, let's try new things yeah. and make it more appealing as a lifestyle product. So, um, and you know, the, there's a whole backstory to, you know, the fact that moving the logo and, and sort of creating a sort of a version of that and logo, uh, you know, it took, it took a process. We had to <laughs> make sure that we, um, you know, had a strategy behind it, had a real sort of, you know, some data to back up that this, that we can evolve branding and still make sure that we're authentic to, you know, our, our you know, the heritage of New Balance. And, um, but it was, you know, it was well worth it. We, we really got a lot of freedom. You know, I say we, the design team, after that, we had a lot of freedom to play with, you know, new options, new materializations, new ways of coloring yeah. um, the product up. So it, it was a, it was a really fun, a fun experience. And uh, it's fun to relive it again <laughs> so many years <laughs> later um, but then you also asked about uh, sort of the, the future of design and I think that um, that that's you know sort of even more exciting um, there's so many things that will affect the, the future of what's happening in footwear you know in all products really yeah um, but two of the biggest are new manufacturing technologies yeah. and customization and so the new technologies you know that are happening in manufacturing are you know giving us new methods of make uh, that includes additive manufacturing like 3D printing includes biofabrication, a whole new way of thinking about natural materials. Yeah, um, includes you know new way, new places that we can you know make products, so it's not all housed in the same types of factories that have been in for the past 20 years. Um, you know that alone will have a massive effect on you know what happens with with products. And then customization, you know, it's just that whole concept is just a big loaded broad concept in general. But you know that can include anything from the hyper personalization of aesthetics, yeah. which 
we're already seeing a lot, you know, in the market to, you know, a shoe that fit to your exact foot measurements and the exact materials that you choose. Uh, you know, we hear about that, but we know, um, you know, there's, again, we talk about pain point and needs and, you know, what's, what's on the emerging future. And, and I think that there's, um, you know, ultimately, you know, we're, we're talking about a product that customization in terms of all of the above is, you know, a, a big important element of the future of it. No, it really is. And I think big data lies a massive part in the future of companies' insights into consumers' attitudes um, and, and most importantly, our behaviours, which could be more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's, is it a bit of a numbers game or, or do you think there's a bit of a balance to be had? Do you think sort of real-time data also plays a big part in the future, focus on sort of cu- customer needs? Yeah, I think um, it's it's a... It's a combination. I mean, the, the technology, I say there's all this excitement around technology, and, and it's there, but it still needs to be, you know, created and, and built in a way that makes sense. You know, we, we do create, um, you know, a mass-produced product, yeah. and uh, in order in order to utilize all this new technology and new methods of making, you know, it, it, these are big changes. And um, what they are is they're not just big changes, they're complex and they're, they're expensive. And when I say expensive, I mean, like a, a brand has to really put their, um, you know, investment in terms of resources, in yeah. terms of money into, they have to pick up one big project or two big projects that they think are going to really move the needle. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. It's really hard because, you know, they don't, not every company has a massive uh, innovation budget and uh, innovation is inherently risky right the, the yeah. bigger and more complex the project that you're taking on um, the more risk there is in terms of you know putting a lot of time and money into something that doesn't make it to market but at the same time like what if you're not doing something that's big and complex and solving some of these solutions you're really just kind of filling space and I think a lot of brands you know fall into that um, because it's, it's easier and it's safer yeah. and um, but you know I, I've always said and I use the example like Nike always wins win, um, um, and there's a reason why they do and, and they have, you know, they have the luxury of having the resources to spend, um, but they do have a lot of foresight and they put that, you know, resources and money against projects that are quite long term and, uh, you know, really push the envelope yeah. and some of them won't make it all the way to market, but they know that that's what, you know, creates leadership and that's what's needed. And, you know, when, when one does hit, it, it, it's usually a big, big deal. And then lots of times, you know, there's, you know, following and reacting to that. Whereas I think, you know, the more a company can find a place in their budget to really invest in innovation, uh, the, the better off they will be because they're really investing in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I guess a good example of that is the, the Space Hippies project that's just recently been launched as an initiative to sort of release uh, one of the, the lowest carbon footprint shoes um, to date for them. I guess that's sort of dipping the toe in and really seeing what sort of um, the demand and and reactions like that would you see that sort of as a good example yeah yeah it is i mean it's, it's one of many examples i think that comes out of nike and they, they really um they, they just know that big complex problems are out there and they put uh they put teams against that they put some you know money and resources and time they have patience i always say yeah um and, and it makes it makes it it makes a difference and they're not they're not afraid to um launch something that's different and new and i'm not saying they're the only brand that does it. i mean they're 
all of the big brands, you know, that compete with them, they, they also, and even small, even you would say digitally native brands yeah. in the space, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people innovate. I just use them as an example because I, I know from experience that they, they're willing to invest the time and they're patient. And so I think that's what it is. I think there's, a, I tend to see a lot of impatience when it comes to innovation and, um, you know, groups wanting a, an answer in maybe three years that might take, you know, ultimately sort of six to 10 to really solve if you're really going to go and, and, and get to that bigger solution. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's quite interesting the times that we're in now, because I guess you're getting loads of smaller brands that are able to be uh, more agile in the sense of sort of innovation and maybe spend a little bit more time and focus on and maybe one sort of piece of innovation, whether, you know, the big corporates like Nike uh, and Adidas, they will invest in something heavy, like you said, and, and then there'll be a, a massive launch around it. So it's interesting is there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a bit of a dichotomy of things going on at the moment with sort of smaller digital native brands coming through and doing doing things slightly differently. In regards to uh, the, was it the new technologies and stuff that you were talking about? I, you know, I was just this morning reading about uh, Sacconi wanting to launch a 100% biodegradable shoe at the end of the year. And they believe that it's going to really push the process of shoemaking forward in not using any petroleum, less uh, electricity, you know, glues and threads, obviously not having any, well, no chemicals in it and using um, processes from the late 1800s or something. You know, those are, I guess those are some of the changes that are really going to change the, the industry, how we see them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's a big push in, in fashion as well as in footwear to close yeah. the loop. Yeah. And, you know, whether a company choose, chooses to work within the sort of biological loop, if you will, with biodegradable products yeah. or the technical loop with like a fully 100% recyclable with no waste. Um, you know, it, both are, are really, they're, they're complex. And I'm really excited when I hear about these projects that are coming to the market and finally it's happening. Yeah. Um, and it, and it really, it really helps because the market has finally demanded it. I mean, it took a long time when, when I left Nike to go to seventh generation, yeah. um, I was really excited about corporate responsibility and um, sustainability, yeah. but there wasn't a lot. And, and, and I won't say it didn't exist. I mean, Nike had the considered line at the time. So yeah. there was discussion around it and that was like that was a sort of building off point for them um but i think that the 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 conversation wasn't as big until the market started to demand it and that really helped so all companies now are are doing some kind of push in this direction and and it's so exciting to see how quickly that can happen um you know there's there's a great future ahead if people keep you know keep pushing these ideas forward no absolutely i mean it's also in my belief that when you're working on brand communication you should always start from the assumption that a message is isn't going to land or maybe it might get ignored I mean how would you advise any brand creatives designers how to navigate through through this current landscape yeah um, I agree there's a lot of noise um, there's a lot of people competing for the spotlight individuals brands you, know, you name it um, I think that you know everything is about the story right it's the story that you're telling that a brand is telling that a product is telling through a design or materials um, it must be compelling to break through all that noise yeah. and I think again we just talked about it, the bigger the innovation um, you know what they're doing is they're solving pain points there's a potential that it's not just solving a pain point but it's really creating an emotional connection 
with with people so that that brand becomes you know a, a part of your sort of conversation. Um, those are the big innovations that that make a difference that can break through the noise, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and advice for young creatives, and I think that having a solid understanding of all things that affect business make a difference, right? So we we can't just focus on maybe what we understand to be design trends. We need to understand economic, social justice, sustainability, technology, manufacturing, health trends, you name it. But they all impact how we think about what's really needed in a brand or a product. Um, but they also help us think about what is not needed. So we're you know considering the product and thinking in a less wasteful way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because you've, you've worked for some very uh, innovative leading brands. But as a whole, I guess it's it's, it's an imperative really for designers to, to think as cultural pioneers now, isn't it? In, in terms of how, yeah. um, you know, influencing of trends and, and narratives and shared values are so important to a, a new a new community of buyers and a new demographic, I guess, of being like uh, Gen Z and millennials in sort of the significance of the future economy and how it's driven by a, a socio-political uh, perspective, as well as a sort of a commodity. It's not so commodity driven anymore. Yeah. And this is very, very important as, as a role for sort of designer and thinking about social aspects, how to solve problems. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's extremely exciting time. You know, when I got out of school, I think, you know, there was sort of three big pieces of information I learned studying industrial design, you know, how you have to understand how people sort of work with the product, so human factors and ergonomics. Yeah. Um, you had to understand aesthetics and you had to understand how things are manufactured. But now there's so much more that goes into, um, you know, how we think about product. And it's, it's, it's really exciting. It gets, I mean, I'm always, I'm always learning, right? And I can't just settle on what I know. And I've been in this over 25 years yeah. and I'm constantly thinking thinking about what I don't know yet and how I can <laughs> learn that. Um, and, and so I think that's, you know, it's advice to not just young creatives, it's advice to all creatives because yeah. um, there's, you know, there's, there's an important in adding creative thinking to all of the issues that we have right now, a big important. Um, and so, you know, it's up to us to just keep learning so that we can add value to these discussions. Absolutely. I mean, when you started How and Why, did you have a clear idea of what you wanted your company to be? And, and has that changed since? I probably had a clear idea at the time, you know, thinking that I was bringing an outside voice into, you know, brands and that that would alone sort of be the, the calling um, for my my work. But um, it turns out each brand's needs are extremely unique. And so I, every time I have a new project or work with a new brand, I have to learn to think in new ways with each project. So it's really evolved over time. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, at one point I was just designing physical products and now there's digital products involved and, you know, advertising and websites. And um, I think that it's, it's, it's very exciting how it's evolved. Uh, I can almost not predict maybe what, what it will be in five years from now. Um, but it's, it's, it's been amazing for me. And in some brands, I have, I have very long-term clients. And so um, for some of those, I'm really on, on, on a team of people. And I love to be part of a team um, where you know, I'm not really an outside voice anymore. I'm just, I'm part of, you know, their, their creative team. Yeah. Um, and then there's some projects where it really is, you know, coming from a new perspective and helping maybe a smaller brand, uh, introducing, you know, new ways of thinking, creative problem-solving workshops um, to sort of help them get on, you know, get a roadmap going for innovation, um, you know, because they just don't have that in their program. So it's, it's a big, it's very much a big mix and it depends on the brand. Um, and some are small startups so that, you know, they have even more, you know, interesting, unique needs as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm still learning, like I said, <laughs> and you never stop. No, you don't, especially 
especially with this sort of moving beast with all these things sort of happening at the moment it's a little bit like a paradoxical time frame we're in where the world is seems so fluid but the system our systems are quite rigid and i guess sort of new thinking and ideas are going to help us really shape what the what the new world looks like so i'd agree with you it's it's, it's quite an exciting time at the moment to to be a creative yeah. and design thinker yeah. i mean i think you may have covered it before but on, in a sort of parting way what would your um call to action be for designers and thinkers in generating design in enabling more of a social and sustainable future is there any starting points you would recommend or uh yeah i mean i i I think it's all about creating the change and to keep pushing it so it's not enough to have a great idea you have to keep pushing that idea forward because as i said the big the big ones will really have that will really impact are also very complex so uh, it's important for i think young people who haven't sort of experienced a complex project before to recognize the complexity early on yeah. to build a strategy to re- to reach those goals along the way um, but i really don't want anyone young to sort of hit these complex projects and then stop and settle like you know don't settle don't accept that just because there's an established way things have been done means that it has to stay that way because you know a, a big established brand can easily fall into that trap and a young person at that brand can feel like oh well you know that's the way it is and that there's nothing i can do yeah um so i'd say you know keep pushing never stop reading and learning it's not enough to have one great skill set i think we all need to master many skills to solve the complex challenges that we face i mean that's that's very sort of sound advice um I'd like to to really thank you today for spending some time to to answer the questions and have a little chat about um, the world as a whole. And it's quite interesting um, to whether you're sort of tackling uh, ideas about technology or social issues. It's really interesting hearing about how you're advocating change throughout the industry you're working in and spreading uh, the good word in forging new links between communities and you know your careers you're clearly one of the sharpest minds in 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 the sports tech industry and i wish you all the best with pushing um positive change along with uh, creativity for your diversified projects in the future and thanks for doing the footwear fables with us today thank you for having me it was really uh, I, i really enjoyed the conversation